welcome to More Than Sunday, the podcast that aims to help you on your journey of discipleship, not just on Sundays, but on every other day of the week as well. You're listening to episode eight with me, Eve Powers and Hannah Malcolm. Hello. How are you getting on with your year of discipleship so far? Have you made any changes to your routine, your lifestyle or your worship? Is there anything that you've struggled with or are still finding difficult? Have you tried any of the actions or have the reflections spoken to you in a particular way? Either way, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us your story at morethansunday at manchester.anglican.org or tweet using the hashtag morethansunday or join our Facebook discipleship group and start a conversation. Our theme this month is generations. What does it mean to pass on faith from generation to generation? So here to discuss generations with us are two brilliant guests. Anna, an impact team leader for Urban Saints in Manchester, who is starting new youth outreach groups. And Cecily O'Sullivan, who is the diocese's youngest ever ordinand. Welcome to both of you. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us what being a disciple means to you? Um, Anna, can we start with you? Yeah, um, I guess being a disciple means someone walking with me through life, looking at how I can grow and love God better. Um, so it could be anything about life. It's not just sitting down, having a Bible study, but living life together and having those people who speak into your life and who point out things that are going well and celebrate your successes. I had a couple who celebrated my graduation, even though we aren't related. Mm. Um, and I had a family speaking into me last year saying, maybe it's time to move on from your job. Um, so doing life together um, pointing me towards Jesus and helping me grow in that way. Oh, brilliant. And Cecily, what does discipleship mean for you? I think discipleship is sort of like friendship as well. Um, and the people in your church who, similar to what Anna says, you grow and walk with you in, in life and uh, celebrate the big life events with you. Um, I've just done, just coming to the end of an internship at a church in London and I've seen so much of discipleship there and how it impacts um, everyone's daily life. Um, people praying together, people having coffee together, um, eating meals together and all of that. It just it sounds like so simple, like just everyday stuff that you do with your family. But I think discipleship is family mm. in a way. It's funny that you've both. I think this is actually the first podcast episode that we've done where the guests have talked about discipleship in a way which is about how the wider community helps them in their relationship with God in their faith um, quite often we find people will talk about discipleship as being their own personal walk with God but it's really interesting and pertinent um, <laughs> for this episode on generations that you've both picked up on being part of what is almost like your wider church family um, that including people maybe in your congregation but beyond that as well um, so I'm curious then to maybe dig a little deeper into some of those particular relationships that have shaped you. Um, if there are particular people that you think back about your faith journey who have really had an influence um, on you as you've grown in faith and whether you'd be willing to share a little bit more about that. Cecily, if we come to you first. There's uh, most of the people at my current church in London are fantastic and they've really uh, shaped me. So we came to them as this um, 18 year old who had this calling, but, you know, and was following it, but needed obviously to grow and do some work in terms of that. Um, and they encouraged me to pray because I really struggled to pray out loud. And I was sort of like, oh, everyone can pray better than me and everyone uses these fancy words. Um, and then I just sort of 
start praying and it would be really quiet and really short and I'd be like, oh, that was terrible. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Everyone's watching me and everyone knows I can't pray. And someone just sort of said to me, actually, Cecily, praying isn't about what other people think. It's a conversation between you and God. Um, and that then really helped me to open up. And then, so this Sunday, two girls at our church were baptised um, the other week and I was praying for them uh, in front of everyone. And it was such a big thing for me. And the licensed lay minister said, by the way, well done on praying out loud. It was amazing to watch. And it was that encouragement from her um, and everyone else and who's really helped me grow in terms of praying. Fantastic. Anna? I think I've just moved a lot and God has just provided different families. So I'm originally from Germany, but I've lived in Montenegro, I've lived on a ship, have lived in Scotland, Belfast, <coughs> and now England. Um, so God has always provided a family or someone who is able to just take me in as part of their daughter. Um, and I think for my parents, so I, my parents are on a journey with Jesus, but I wouldn't say I've grown up in a Christian household and those family have become my spiritual parents, my spiritual siblings, my spiritual grandparents. Um, in one of the cities I've lived in, it's been 70-year-old ladies who've made dinner for me and um, made sure I'm okay and supported me. And so I think just seeing God's faithfulness no matter where I went in providing mm. people um, has been super impactful. So there's more than a handful of people that I could name that have had a massive impact. So our theme is generations for this month. And we want to think about, as a diocese, what it means to have these quite unusual in our society intergenerational communities. So um, we don't tend now to find ourselves in places often where we're interacting with people that aren't of a similar age or generation to us beyond maybe your office outside of places like the church. So one of the things we're thinking about is is what, what are the gifts and what are the challenges of being intergenerational in our churches? So I'm wondering for both of you, what does it mean to you, this instruction that we get quite regularly in the Bible in different relationships to pass on faith to another generation? And that you could interpret that in lots of different ways. But I'm curious to hear how that's impacted what you do. I think for me, part of my job is trying to share who God is with young people. So I guess it's encouraging others to do the same. Um, as I said, my, my family didn't really teach me who God is. And I went to confirmation classes, but someone else had to tell me. So if no one would have told me, I probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah, it is passing passing on who Jesus is to young people. But I think so often we just try and share the gospel and that's it rather than live it out. I don't, I don't think it's a quick fix. It's a lived out. God is faithful every day. God is faithful in the successes and the sadness. And, um, you know, in life, it means sharing faith long term, I guess. But also sharing, like for me, sharing faith with my parents, with my siblings, with my mm. aunt and uncle. Mm. So it's sharing upwards as well or to older generations. So faith going in that other direction um, to an older generation. And Cecily, that's going to be one of the things that... I was thinking about you being our, our youngest orderland. Yes. At least early in your ministry, that's going to be quite a substantial part of your experience, will be ministering to people who are older than you. Yeah. And I'm curious to hear a little bit about um, what your thoughts are about that, what you think the... What do you think the kind of the joys and challenges will be of doing that work? 
Uh, well, I'm slightly terrified to do it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, everyone's going to say, well, you know, you're just this silly sort of young, in your 20s girl or whatever. But um, I'm, I'm also excited because I think that actually, obviously children learn a lot from adults um, because they learn from us, they watch what we do, they listen to the things that we say, they learn the language, everything from us. Um, and I think, so, so when we do Sunday school or whatever groups, youth group, they're learning from us, but actually I think it can go the other way. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really important thing that people often forget because adults make things so complicated, mm. as I've recently found out since the year of being an adult. Everything is so complicated. And um, sort of, I'm around a lot of kids all the time and, and you know, they'll be like, oh, what's bothering you? And then they'll just say one thing and I'll go, oh, yeah, it's not that complicated and everything for them is quite black and white and obviously sometimes that's not a good thing but other times it's a really helpful thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't know. One that's of the things I've... Cool. I totally agree. One of the things I've found in my job because I work with 9 to 18-year-olds in my current work I'm talking about science and religion and one of the things I've found in my job is that the questions that 9-year-olds ask have made me a much better <laughs> theologian, much better thinker about God because their questions are so to the point... Um, and they they see the world with imagination and curiosity, which is something that we do our best to hammer out of young people at school. Mm. Um, and so they, but they still have that in them, that ability and that that awareness and openness to new ideas um, that has really regularly challenged my own thinking about my faith, mm. um, because they don't have the constraints yet on their brain that mm. you learn other things that keep your thoughts culturally or socially acceptable. Mm. They don't they don't get restrained <laughs> by that. <laughs> well, so they so, don't mean it in a malicious yeah. way, which is what's so beautiful about Just it. Genuine it's questions. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean sometimes it's malicious. I've met some <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've met some mean nine year olds, but <laughs> but I often find that there's a like a bluntness to the way they want to find things out. Um, and they're very honest about where their curiosity is or they're very honest about asking you why you do things the way you do that kind of cuts through a lot of that insert rude word here um, <laughs> that often we can get distracted by um, when we're trying to talk about our faith. So I think you're absolutely right. I think mm -hmm. it goes the other way. Um, I think, in t so I actually I've sort of experienced a bit of this already in my internship. So mm. there's a woman who I go and have dinner with uh, every few weeks who's, I think she's in her early 70s. And I absolutely adore her. I think she's wonderful. Um, and she's had some stuff going on in her life, so um, the breakdown of her marriage and things, and she's spoken to me about that in terms of God and how that works with her being a Christian, because um, it came as quite a surprise. And then she's she sort of spoke to me about her faith and how, you know, she prays every day, but, you know, is she really a Christian? And so, in a way, I'm already having to deal with those mm, situations. Yeah. But I, it's difficult because... You know, I've got no authority. You know, who am I for someone to listen to? But, but it's 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 necessary. It's a necessary relationship to have, I think. Um, and yeah, it's it's an important one. Um, we get on really well, and we help each other in the sense. So it's if it's just me telling an older person how they should live their life in terms of being a Christian, but when it's a two-way thing and they're advising you and you're advising them it becomes more like a friendship and then age doesn't matter as much as it would otherwise Absolutely. Great. so I suppose as well that's something that I'm sure lots of 
ordinands and clergy listening can relate to that they continue to learn mm. from their congregations and yeah. <laughs> the role of ministering in a church isn't necessarily that you're there to teach everyone everything that mm. no one will know anything that you don't know which would be a very frightening job if that was your job <laughs> but you're there to facilitate yeah and there to come alongside people which is a little bit of what we've talked about in that um that vision of discipleship um maybe that's a a slightly more reassuring job description to go into than <laughs> yeah. feeling like you have to have all the answers. And discipleship should always be two ways, I think. Yeah. Once we think we have something to impart, some knowledge or something like that, I think we've missed the point because we are not Jesus. So I think what you're saying is right. Like they will learn from you as much as you'll learn from them. And that mm. should be every part of our discipleship. What can I learn as well as what what can I share, how God has taught me. Mm. Um, and sharing experiences, so yeah. experiences you've had with God. And, and I think as well, showing, telling people how God has touched your life and made a difference and sharing that with uh, your congregation or whoever um, will then help their faith grow as well because yeah. they're seeing how it's impacted someone else and saying oh you know maybe I can and you sort of grow off each other but in off God as well but in terms of in your relationship with each other mm. so here's a tricky <laughs> question then so if so much of our and I'd say probably all of us could talk about having these really positive experiences of intergenerational friendships in our churches so why is it that we struggle so much to have churches that really represent different generations. So why do we um, increasingly see this split where you have some churches with a much older congregation and some churches with a much younger congregation? And, and so why, why do you think that is? What are, what are our challenges there? I wonder if it's what we're taught we should be in, interested in because of the age that we particularly are. Um, I sing in church choirs and I am often... It, me in my 30s and then the next age group up is somebody in their 70s and I have some absolutely great friends in my choir <laughs> and you know I always have had since being a child I sang with adults because you know they were the same voice part as me and you end up going on choir tour to somewhere to <laughs> sing and you have the best time and I just don't think I don't know if it's maybe more of a societal thing than just a church thing I don't think we're encouraged to be friends with people who are maybe different from us generationally or otherwise um and i do think our churches maybe we're sort of sold different types of church now in quite sort of distinct forms and we're told this is the type of church that is for you and for your age and this is the type of church that is for you and i'm a 32 year old that goes to a traditional high anglican church and i am the only one i'm the only person my age there and i find that really sad because i think it's there's something for everybody in that church there are some people that bring their children along for children's church but they're not really involved in church life as much I'm the sort of you you can see me a mile off you know (laughs) I find that really really sad because I think there's something for for people in our church I think it has an awful lot to offer and I I can't quite get my head around why the other younger people um aren't aren't finding that in our church however the church down the road is all younger folk and not particularly many older people it it, is it to do with taste I don't know what what do you guys think uh I think it might have something to do with tradition Mm. as well so quite um I went to a high Anglican church for probably about 
four years before coming to my church in London. Um, and they're very different because my church in London is sort of this low evangelical kind of charismatic church. It's it's a mixture of things, um, but it's brilliant. Um, but I loved being at an Anglo-Catholic church. But And I took, I took a few of my friends along and they said they loved it. But then... Um, luckily that one was quite mixed in ages but because it was in a studenty area mm. um, but I think there is this thing where um, high high church or middle of the road church as it were is is very much for ad- proper adults like you know adult <laughs> adults <laughs> and um, and then sort of the more evangelical low churches that are you know have more worshipy bandy songs with guitars and whatnot for the young generation. Right. Whereas I don't think it is like that, but I think that's how it's, you know, perceived in a way. Um, I suppose then it's about the resourcing, isn't it, that those churches have for different age groups, right? So um, you're more likely to stick at a church, regardless of the tradition, if it's a church that has ways to support you in that current stage of your life. Yeah. So Mm. if... Most of the churches that offer stuff for students or teenagers are of a particular tradition, then people are just going to go there because that's where they're going to be better supported. So I wonder if it is also about that resourcing. Mm. Um, How do you find it, Anna, working as you do with young people, um, walking with them as they work out what it is they want out of church? Is it that they want guitars? Is it something else that they're looking for? What is your experience of that? Well, I I can't speak for every young person, but I do think it's relationships. I don't think it matters what kind of church it is. I think we'll learn to appreciate God in any given context if there's someone with us to appreciate it and explain it. Um, I've grown up in a church that at the beginning or whenever I started going was fairly segregated. So they had kids ministry, they had youth ministry, and Mm. the adults did something and I'm not sure that was helpful because the first time I got to know adults was in when I went to missions. But I didn't know anyone before because no one had ever connected me. <clears throat> um, so I think sometimes wanting to offer kids work or youth work or adult work isn't helpful because we're not getting to know one another. Um, so how can we bring people together and do things together and make sure that that family actually starts to exist <laughs> rather than coexist? Right. Um, Maybe as well there's something there about the challenge of breaking down the assumption that our intergenerational stuff should just be our biological families as well. So that you actually find ways to encourage people to build relationships across generations outside of biology, right? So we have such a big emphasis on our biological family often in church and say, oh, this the family is so important. Which works if you have a family here, yeah. but like I don't have a family here and a lot of young people live in single parent homes mm. or, you know, in broken down families. So what family are they supposed to come yeah. with or eat with? And there are so many like single people who just long for a meal at a family's house or, yeah. you know, so how can we think about how to include different people. But I think it has to be intentional. It doesn't Mm. just happen. Mm. And no matter where I've moved, community hasn't just happened. I always had to be intentional. And it's it's exhausting at times, (laughs) but it's definitely worth it. Um, so I guess that's what we are trying to do in our in my job, trying to encourage people to volunteer with young people to build those relationships and being intentional about it. And yes, it's a big commitment. Um, but yeah, 
it never, everything. Yeah, <laughs> it will change lives, yeah. literally. So I think it's something to do with skills as well. I think everybody I've come across because I work in digital, so I'm I, my role is I sort of joke I'm skilling up vicars to use the internet. Cecily, <laughs> <laughs> you won't have a problem with that. Um, but you know, the, people sort of go, "Oh, that's not for me." Whether it's actually the more we can teach each other and share skills, yeah. and you know, and I speak as a somebody who in their like mid twenties learnt to knit from uh, an older lady that taught knitting um, in my community, um, and I used to go for like knit and natter again, <laughs> like token young person. But do you know what? I have benefited so much from those relationships, yeah. and I can also still knit, um, and it's really <laughs> handy because you can knit people presents, and you don't have to go out and buy something. It's great. Um, but do you know these kind of this skill sh- skill sharing opportunities, things like with me with social media and digital I can go to churches where they have a low level of young people um, and say listen these are the tools that you can use to not only attract but also interact with mm-hmm. and and engage in a new way with people that have we've started to create these online societies um, certainly our generation and slightly older slightly younger um, what can we what can we do as a church to kind of get in there and talk to people where they are um, do you think there's there's a, a generational, you know, skill sharing that we could be doing or that we're not doing enough of? I think people just have to realize that they they probably have skills to offer, yeah, and they are transferable. So it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're really young, you have skills to offer. Mm. If you're really old, you have skills to offer. But I think sometimes we're we're not confident in ourselves in that. Do you think we have a problem with ageism in the church? <laughs> and that goes both ways, not just yeah. older. What do you reckon? Ageism? Do we have a problem? What do you actually mean by ageism? Ageism, um, discrimination on the basis of someone's age. So it can be anything from <clears throat> explicit discrimination where people are being excluded um, on the basis of their age um, or not giving ac- given access to things um, that might be challenged because of their age. Um, or it can be implicit stuff where there's an assumption that someone, because of their age, has less value or less to offer or, or that that kind of approach. As in keep the children at the back so they don't make a racket. <laughs> right, keep the children at the back or the other direction. Oh, the language that I, that I hate is that of a dying church, right, with mm. this um, euphemism inside it, which is our churches are too old and they are dying because of age so the language of dying church i always feel like has a bit of ageism at its heart because mm. it's a critic it's a criticism of churches that are mostly made up of people that have been faithful yeah. <laughs> for yeah. decades going to church um so yeah i'm wondering whether you've had experience of ageism in the church or you've experienced those challenges <laughs> what about when you have have gone for bath what have people's reactions been like to the fact that you are our youngest daughter, Nana. <laughs> uh, I've definitely experienced uh, some people who have said, oh, you're very young, um, I think you're mistaken, I don't think you have a calling. Really? Um, yeah, it's quite shocking, really, because I, I, I got a very, very clear calling when I was 14 um, and have been discerning it for the past five years, which means all throughout my GCSEs, throughout my A-levels. Um, and then I said to someone at one of my old churches, oh, I'm moving to London, I'm going to do this internship, it's going to be great. Um, and they said, 
Uh, I think that's a waste of time. I think you should get a job at Primark and go to a different church every week to get a breadth of the Church of England. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That'd and be I, exhausting, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> I was thinking, well, first of all, I'm not really going to learn. I, I mean, I might learn a bit from going to different churches to see a breadth of the tradition, but I've sort of gone to a mixture of churches throughout my life. Both my parents are vicars and they're sort of d different traditions as well. Um, so I've seen quite a lot. Um, but also, I wouldn't get any sense of church family or belonging because I'm just going to different churches. I'm not finding what I like. I'm just having a try. Um, that was really off-putting uh, and upset me quite a lot, but didn't let it hold me back. But there, sort of when I went to my uh, panel, my bishop's advisory panel... Um, for those listening that don't know what yeah. that is, it's, <laughs> it's a scary and slightly strange interview process you do um, in the last bit of your discernment to decide whether or not you'll go and train to be a vicar. Yes, it's terrifying. <laughs> Three <laughs> days. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, one of the guys came up to me and he said, oh, we've got the uh, oldest ordinant here, uh, old, oldest person uh, here, which was him. And he said, and the youngest person. And they thought I was about 23, so I was quite, thanks. <laughs> Could be 23. Um, uh, but yeah, they were they were quite encouraging and a few people were a bit taken aback and a bit, mm. what, really? Um, and a few people have said to me, you know, why don't you <laughs> go and get a proper job? <laughs> Which is just, uh, you know, I wonder as well whether that oldest person at BAP, what kinds of comments they they've received as well yeah. on the other end of the of the age mm. spectrum of going towards a certain kind of ministry of all, aren't you too old for that? Mm. I mean, know? they were all very encouraging of me. Yeah. I'm not, you know, they were really, really supportive and made sure I was okay after all those absolutely terrifying interviews um, <laughs> that came out and went, no, it's gone awful. They were like, no, it's fine. And they sat with me and they prayed with me and they were really, really fantastic. But I definitely think it does work the other way. Yeah. Um, you know, you're you're too old. And like you say about dying church, I just, oh, I just think that's so wrong. <laughs> it's just... It's horrible terminology, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And also... Well, I don't think it's true. I think you're alive and, until you're not alive anymore. <laughs> and, you know, so therefore, for a lot of people, we've talked about this before, Hannah, where you kind of, if you have a very busy life, a lot of people don't necessarily make time for religion and faith and even think about it until they come out the other end of their working life. And actually, the church is a really important part of their life as they move out of employment and they need something to kind of give them some meaning and actually a lot of people discover faith much later on and we are all millennials in this room so okay we're, we're an exception to that <laughs> but I do think it's it's incredibly insulting to people that have had really deep experiences really meaningful yeah changes of heart and all sorts of things and why take that away from them because of how old they are it's ridiculous mm -hmm. I, there's also the side of it as well isn't there where um <clears throat> It is, it's a real challenge when you are a younger or working adult to find the time and the energy to do things like really invest in your local church community and do the volunteering and do the helping with Sunday school and um, making sure things like mentoring young people is a possibility. Um, and so I think we, we also do a disservice um, if we forget that an awful lot of the people that are the backbone of our church communities are people that are retired and so have given over their energies to, mm. to doing that passing on the faith work um, that they feel called to do. So if we, if we do have this slight barrier in place in our thinking, what, what can we do then in the church um, to tackle um, some of that, some of that barrier and help to build 
better intergenerational relationships, particularly for tackling things like loneliness. I'm really aware that um, for both younger people um, and for older people, one of the real challenges is this feeling that they've got no one to talk to. And I'm wondering what people's thoughts are on that. Just speak to people on a Sunday that you don't know. Don't do your catch-up on a Sunday with the people that you already do know. Like, try and meet someone new. Um, invite them over for dinners and lunches and not just on Sunday. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, just... More than Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I th it's that whole thing about intentionality. How can I make sure that I at least try to invite someone else. And maybe it's just for once, once a year, but you might have changed that person's life. You never know. And mm. um, whatever capacity you have, but try and be intentional. Try and say hi and more than what's your name or the general chit chat, but connect outside of church. Mm. I think it's a bit like, you know, it's, is what Jesus tells us to do, you know, love thy neighbor as you love yourself and I think that's really important because if we if we do that then those uh, gaps between the generations will start to close not literally because they're already set <laughs> but, um, in terms of barriers and yeah. forming friendships uh, it's like the, the woman who I go and have dinner with she's in her 70s we got on really well um, yeah in fact I'd say we're friends similar to yeah. in the way you, you have your friends in the knitting group and um, yeah but I think as well the church is a building which is you know people think is only used on Sundays um, whereas uh, the church I go to in London is used so much throughout the week for various different things and uh, different events so kids events um, but that can also adults can come into that and then things for adults which then means that friendships are formed those barriers are broken down and yeah it's, it's really nice. I think it's <laughs> yeah. something I've noticed as well Cecily a couple of times you've been talking you've mentioned people praying for you as yeah. being really important and also them being able to pray for someone getting baptised. And so it's almost like that ministry of being prayed for and passing that on and being able to pray for the people has been a real tangible connection for you um, in being discipled and starting to disciple people. Yeah, my, uh, my spiritual director, who's also the church warden at our church, is one of the most amazing people I know and she's so good at praying um, but she just says what's in her heart and she really helped me so when we were doing our spiritual direction she was sort of I was saying oh no I'm never going to be able to pray I don't know how I can ever become a vicar if I can't pray this is ridiculous <laughs> um, sort of ha laughing at myself going oh but um, but yeah no she helped me and she talked me through it and she was like you don't need to worry and actually these people since I've come here with this since I went have started going there with this calling um they've all been praying for me praying for my growth and that's helped so much that's you know and people have just come up to me and said by the way I know you were doing this this week and I know that's a bit challenging for you because you struggle with that but I was praying for you I hope it went well and it's it's that you just get love just from that and you're like oh I love the fact that you love me <laughs> um, yeah and I think it's it is really important that's amazing um I think there's a really practical it sounds absolutely daft thing to say. A really practical thing everybody could do if we all wanted to. You can go and look in your parish magazine or on your pew sheet and go and try out a group that you've never joined before or try one of the things that are going on at church that you've never helped out at before. So if you've got the time, obviously, um, and it sort of fits in with your usual routine, 
don't feel like you're not allowed to join something because it's not necessarily a demographic that looks or sounds like you, you know? You've got to... Why don't you be that person that breaks down that barrier first and make it normal for everybody else to do it? Um, we are disciples. We are pioneers. I think it's it's a really kind of good opportunity for us to just, to, you know, dip our toe in something new and and enhance, I think, your probably your, your whole church life. This is a good time to come to our actions. <laughs> Absolutely. For the month. Um, so, well, we've had brilliant conversation and some of the stuff that might be actions, might just have come out of what we've been saying. So maybe it's that you've been really inspired by the stuff that Anna's been sharing and you want to try and find someone in your church community or outside of it that you want to come alongside and mentor. So maybe you can look for someone like that. And it could be as simple as saying that you're going to offer, like people have done for Cecily, to pray for someone regularly, um, to ask them what their needs are and say you're going to keep them in your prayers and build a relationship that way. It could be having them round for tea could be all kinds of things are there people that you have the time and space to invest particular time in um, part of doing that might be to think about people that have invested in you so who are you grateful for maybe you can take some time to be thankful to god for them maybe you can tell them what it has meant to you that they've invested in you that could be another action you could take this month um, it might be this idea about isolation or loneliness that we've talked about how can we move beyond our biological families to intergenerational relationships that help people out of isolation? And, of course, there might be lots of other things as well that you think of off the back of this conversation um, and stuff that's going on in your church. So please do let us know your ideas. We'd love to hear what you're up to. Obviously, uh, my suggestion is always join the church choir because you will make loads of friends. <laughs> Just putting that in there. Shout out to Irene. <laughs> Oh, I just love her. <laughs> Thank you for listening to More Than Sunday. We'll be back next month when our theme will be generosity. Mm-hmm.